Welcome to Happily Ever After is Real, interviews and conversations with women, created to share wisdom, strength, joy, and inspiration for finding true love in a busy and constantly changing world. Happily Ever After is Real is a Be More You production. You can follow us on Facebook or visit us online at bemoreyou.co. I'm Tricia Bennett. My guest host today is Heidi Bertram. On behalf of myself and all of our guests, welcome and enjoy. So we want to welcome Amanda Grossman back today. Thanks for being with us. Amanda has shared her incredible love story, her commitment to financial independence, freedom, and intimacy in her marriage. And today she's going to share with us how she can bring that wisdom to all of our listeners. So welcome back, Amanda, and let us know about your blog and how you can support all of us in gaining some financial intimacy. Sure, yeah. So I actually work for myself. I work full-time on my business, Google Confessions, which is mainly writing and creating really great money solutions for people. It's absolutely my passion job. Like I said, I, I quit my day job, which I actually enjoyed my day job, and I quit that last January to pursue writing about personal finances full-time because writing has always been what I wanted to do, and personal finances is just in my very cells. <laughs> so, so it worked out perfectly to put those together. So I created this blog during uh, my unemployment period, and I've been doing it ever since. I think I, I put it live in 2009. Um, and what I do is, I guess, you know, I've seen bankruptcy, I've I've felt bankruptcy, not in my own life, but from my parents, both sets of parents have both declared bankruptcy within a decade of each other while we were growing up, and I've seen what finances do to relationships, and not just relationships, but to children, to the entire family, they can really yeah. cut through that social fabric that was supposed to be a good thing, <laughs> they yeah, can really take right. that away. So ultimately, my deep down desire is to both prevent and get people through financial catastrophes. And of course, I mostly focus on preventing the financial catastrophes. Yeah. So I we would all prefer that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I don't talk about catastrophes very much, but that's my. If you want to know my deep underlying need for why I have this business, that that would be it right there. My tagline is live a VIP life on an average paycheck because how many of us are actually earning more than average pay? I've never earned more than average pay, neither has Mm -hmm. my husband. I show people that life is too short not to enjoy today, right? You want to enjoy your money today, enjoy your life today, have these experiences that you want. But it is way too long to not save for your future and have that money there to support you through your life and through things that are going to happen, whether you want them to or not. And I show people that you don't have to live like a monk and you don't have to say no to everything that you want in order to say yes to financial and life independence, which is my number one aim in life. And so recently, 
Um, like I said, my husband and I had experienced some financial friction in our own marriage, which took me by surprise. I, I really thought, okay, of all marital problems that are out there, uh, we're not working have together that. on our finances, we are yeah. not going to have that one because I'm being proactive and, like, he doesn't like it and he, you know, he he's fine with all of that. Like, we just had, you know, some of those same page lines. And so I was shocked when we actually experienced some of it. And it took us a while to really find our way and, when we did, it just, I mean, it clicked like we're true partners financially. And I learned so much, and he learned so much, going through the process in those first few years of marriage, kind of finding your way, because it's not all about being in love. There's reality. There's mortgages to pay. There's decisions to make. There's insurance policies you need. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that, yeah. if you allow it to, can just blossom out of control and really start thwarting your love, right? <laughs> Yeah. So we going through this whole process, I decided I just I need to help other other marriages, other relationships, and I need to show them how they can gain this financial intimacy that he and I are now enjoying. And so I recently I created um the financial intimacy kit and and that's kind of, that's actually why I found you. I thought, "Oh, I need to talk to people who are, you know, in relationships, looking for relationships or in marriages and and you guys were there." I want to make sure that the listeners know how to access this information from you. If a woman or a couple wants to get this financial intimacy kit, how do they get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you go to www.frugalconfessions, all one word with an S on the end, dot com, and there's a button at the top that says shop, and that's where you can get to the financial kits page, which has the financial intimacy kit um, and a few other ones. And then there's also a button on my home page if that confuses anybody. Great. Um, but it's something that I'm just so excited about, and I you know, I hope we can we can hash this out some more here because it's, it's a very important topic. You mentioned in your first interview with us that finances are the number one reason that marriages end. And I think that women need to hear more about that because, you know, our our podcast is called Happily Ever After is Real. And we always mm-hmm. tell women, happily ever after is real, but it doesn't happen by waving a magic wand. Absolutely. There's some work. Meeting yes. the right person probably involves a little bit of magic, but the rest of it is a lot of work. And yes. Sustaining that relationship—that's—that's where it can start falling off. That's where when you said that, yeah. Oh, sorry. When you said that, what went through my head immediately was happily ever after is work. It can happen, yes, but it is work. And and my husband and I work at it. And because what by working at it, you know, you might think, oh, that doesn't sound too fun. Like, you know, wouldn't it be nice if you could just continue gallivanting around Japan and and all these wonderful places, but actually, no, I I wouldn't have this any other way because when you do work together, you build this synergy and you elevate the relationship to where you just never thought it would go before. I mean, it can be amazing if you work on it. And I love the term that you use, financial intimacy. Mm, Um, And a, a friend of mine is a, he really loves words, and he says if you break up intimacy... It's into me see mm. that you're seeing into the other person, and you're That's allowing really cool. the other person to see into you. Yeah. And 
when you're financially, when you're really intimate in a marriage, you know, I feel like my husband and I, we really don't have any secrets. Mm-hmm. You know, we're both an open book to each other. And it's such a freeing, amazing, wonderful feeling to yeah. just be an open book, to be able to say anything you need to say, express a fear, express a desire, anything that we want to say to each other, we can say. And I Absolutely. think when, when people have fear about finances, that's one of the fears where people really shut down and they start hiding mm-hmm. their thoughts and feelings. They start hiding the truth, the realities. Yeah. And so financial intimacy, I just love that term, and I love the fact that you've put together materials for people to actually gain that in their own relationships. Thank you. And and actually, that's part of the issue that Paul and I um, were dealing with. He would, he kind of shut down around finances. Mm-hmm. And fortunately or unfortunately, um, at the time, it's fortunate now he knows, but he's with a partner who just needs to talk about finances. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, I'm very open to talk about finances. I want to include him in on it. And part of the issue was that since I do know so much about it and since it plays such a big part in my life due to where I want my life to go and how it went in the beginning when finances were all over the place uh, when I was a child, it it was very hard for me to understand what was, what was wrong. What was, it was like, what's wrong with him? And so it got to this point where I got more controlling over yeah. the finances, and he shut down more on his side, and it came to this impasse. You know, he would say, you, you come at me with finances to talk about money, and you take me unawares. I don't want to talk about it then. So we got. So then I said, okay, well, let's plan. When is a good time for you to talk about finances? And that didn't even work because then he just wouldn't pick a date to yeah. talk about finances. So it really took us sitting down and getting honest with each other. I mean, if you want to talk about getting naked with your partner, just yeah. getting naked with them word-wise and feelings-wise and just talking about, like, these are things that I like, these are things that are not working for me, and this is how I would like it to look. Each of you going through that exercise in front yeah. of each other and really getting out there what you both need to thrive and compromises. And I think also one of the things that is clear about your childhood, an example from mine is that both of my parents had issues with alcohol. And Mm. so I saw that as I'm not going to get married because that's what marriage looks like. It looks like you drink too much and you hurt each other's feelings. And I thought, well, if that's what marriage is about, I'm never going to do that. And as a result of it, I don't drink myself, but my husband does. Mm-hmm. But I did have to have some conversations with him about what I had seen in my childhood and why I didn't drink. And I had to get really open and honest about the fact that people who drink too much make me uncomfortable, that that's yes. not the kind of life I want to live. Those aren't the kind of people I want to be friends with. I don't trust people who drink too much. So it's really interesting because we all bring these fears our worst fear is blank, and we don't want that to happen in our marriage. And so we have to find a way to bring that to our partners and to let them know that it isn't about them. It's not a personal attack 
on the other person that you want to talk about finances or that right. I want to talk about alcohol. It's just what there is to talk about so that we feel at peace. That's Absolutely. A good, it's, and what I'm hearing as you both share is, and I think we chatted about this, Amanda, when we before you came on to today's show, is that do this before you get married. Because yeah. sometimes, like really cleaning out your closet, you know, around money. We even heard from other women on other shows, religion, sex, communication. Like really just, as you said, get sort of butt naked in front of them emotionally to say, here's where I am on money. And understanding, are you a spender or are you a saver? Because, right. it, you know, just really understanding your patterns on the money side. But those four categories, money, they say, religion, sex, how do you communicate? Do it before you get married. Like really, as Trisha said earlier, <laughs> cleaning out your closet emotionally, spiritually, physically, it's a heck of a lot easier knowing what you're signing up for going in. And, of course, there are things that, as you say, come up as you as you're in the marriage, but I think those are conversations, and that's why your work that you're bringing forward, which is financially, you know, the financial intimacy kit, is phenomenal because we don't talk about this stuff. Thank you, and and I wanted to I want to put out there though that because I think one of the reasons why people are scared to talk about it, even if you're like ten years into a marriage, is because you feel like when you discover what you kind of already know to be true, that there aren't ways around it. Like if you discover that your partner is a spender and you just love to save money, you might think, ooh, if we open up that can of worms, that's going to end our relationship because that's something that's not working. But you can make it work. You just have to address it. You have to talk about it, and then you have to find ways that work. So here's a question for you. One of the things we come up against a lot is when couples have really different incomes. Okay. That one partner makes a lot more than the other partner. Right. Do you have what 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 are your thoughts and feelings and sort of suggestions about that? Yeah, this is a definite issue for a lot of couples because sometimes we equate money with power. Sometimes we equate money with who gets to call the spending decisions based on who's making yeah. what. And these are real issues that, that people like you and I deal with. The underlying thing is that you have to figure out a money system, a couple money system that works for the both of you. And that would be like figuring out if you want to combine your finances, if you want to keep them separate and have joint accounts for bills, whatever you want to do with that. If you don't combine your finances fully, then you need to figure out proportion-wise who's earning what and what the what the expenses are. And then you need to figure out, okay, if this person's earning 60% of the household income and this person's earning 40% of the household income, then they need to pay X amount of the bills or be, their money goes towards X amount of the bills and this person's money goes towards that X amount of bills. But gotcha. it's proportionally, it's not like, okay, well, this person's earning 50000 more than me per year, but for some reason I'm now thinking they need to contribute the same amount that I'm contributing per year. That would be unfair because then the other person wouldn't have the spending or the fun money gotcha. or whatever's going on. Yeah. Right. 
And that's right. and like I said, because if you combine your finances and you don't think about it in a power or hierarchical way, which yeah. might not be an option for you, then you might not have to deal with this. But that's one way to deal with it. Like I said, there's a lot of weird feelings and emotions and weird behaviors that that can come out because of money. Yeah. So you need to make sure that there's love in the relationship and that the other part, partner expresses that love because then it's not going to be, a, oh, but it's not fair. You're only paying this amount and I have to pay the rest of it. It would be, oh, yeah, but we're both contributing towards the bills and it would be unfair to her or unfair to him because, you know, I make a lot more. That would be a bigger strain on yeah. them than it would be on me. And that's where the love aspect really comes into play. Yep. Like finances aren't ever separate from love, but they can certainly tarnish the love, you know? Yeah. No, it's a, it's a phenomenal topic because we do have women who come on to our coaching calls, Amanda, who they are pretty powerful women, and they mm. men that haven't, you know, they're not making as much, and they struggle. They struggle with the gap. Yeah, and, and you know, should I be spending this? Why do, why do they get to spend more money? Who's controlling the money? Why yeah. do they get to control the money? I mean, there's so many different, like, almost psychological things that go on with money in a relationship. Yeah. And there's also, I mean, there's financial abuse, and there's also financial infidelity. And these yeah. are issues that are very unfortunate, but they we can't deny that they happen. Right. So I actually have a few questions because this is such a great topic. I'm known as Bargain Betty myself. So when I oh, hear it, nice. like live a, live a VIP life on an average pay, do you have like yes. a top tip on helping the listeners is there one big takeaway where you can share with us how how you can live a vip life on an average pay what, what sure um i think great. i think i would have to say my favorite way to get more savings and savings as in like actually putting more money into my savings account not savings that you see on the bottom of a receipt that you never really tangibly see yeah <laughs> uh, my favorite way to do that is all of your service contracts, like your insurance companies, your homeowner's insurance, your cell phones, when those contracts are up, your cable, Internet utilities, I call most of them every six months, and I get our bill reduced, or I get new promotions, or I get something, and so I'm, we're never paying what other people would pay for those kinds of services, but we're still getting the services that we would want. So it's, you know, I actually, I have things like negotiation scripts and, and stuff on my website, like in my courses, but I've gotten pretty good at it. Like you can, you know, you call and if you can't get, like let's say you're calling your cable company and you want to keep these channels, but the bill is just egregious at this point, you would call and talk to somebody and say, hey, how can you lower my bill? And the conversation would go from there. And then if they can't ultimately offer you something that you want, Ask them to send you to the retention department. You're not falsely saying that you're going to get rid of the service, but people in the retention department, that's their job is to have better promotions to offer you than the other people who are the first line of defense, and they could probably offer you even better discounts. Great. It's always it's always fun to have a few of those tangible things. I can see our viewers running to the phone after after they listen to the podcast. I know, writing little yes, things down on their notepads. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I just had a woman who took my course, and she said in one phone call she had called up her car insurance company, 
In one phone call, she shaved off $219 this year off of just one call, like one car as one well. Phone, so if it's yeah. just one phone call, you can start doing your return on investment with your time, right? Yeah. Like, hmm, I made one phone call, and it was half an hour, and I made, made back our household $219. That's pretty good. What's a typical client like for you? Who comes sure, so, to you, and what are the what are sort of typical things that you help people to address? Yeah, a typical person that comes to me um, that really needs some help is people who are living paycheck to paycheck, and they seem to fall in two different places. One, they're living paycheck to paycheck, and they know that it's ridiculous that they're living paycheck to paycheck because they do make a good amount of money, and so they yeah, just they don't, don't understand. Know where their yeah. Right. And the other type of paycheck to paycheck person that comes to me is we've cut like all of these different things and we're just out of options. We don't know. I don't know what else to do. And you seem to know what to do in those situations. So how can you help us further make this low pay? Like we need to raise our pay at some point, but it, it is what it is right now. And I never, ever, ever tell people that they should get a second job. Lots of people tell people that they should get a second job. My whole thing is come to me first and use my services first, read my blog post first because I can save you from that time away from your family and see if it's an option. I mean, you know, not everyone is going to be in in a situation where they don't need to raise their income, but most people are and they don't know it. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, but it's, and it's almost it's really taking full responsibility of every single bill that you touch. Sure, sure. But, you know, you can set it up in a way that you're not going to drive yourself crazy doing that. Like, I'm I'm a realist, and I don't want to spend all of my time working on these little details. I want my finances to work for me, not the other way around. And so you can set up these money systems, and you can set up these automatic calendar alerts or whatever you need to sort of set up so that it's just it's second nature. It's not... It's not like you're having to record every single thing that you do in your budget. That would just be ridiculous. Yeah, so that your life <laughs> you, becomes only about money yes, and saving every yes, and it shouldn't time. Be. Yes, and and there are periods in life that are like that. Like when we were paying off that last $25,000 worth of debt, paying cash for our wedding, getting the down payment, you better believe we were looking at every penny. But that is not a sustainable system. That's a, okay, let's do this, let's be all in, and then afterwards it's going to be so much better. And it will, and it is. Yeah, it's got a time frame to it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, because it's not sustainable to live like a monk. It really isn't. <laughs> oh, I agree. And now, Amanda, do you and your husband have conversations throughout the month? How do you keep the money talk going in your household? So we um, we have money dates, I like to call them, or quickies, which is just a fun way to say them. We actually have these like probably about once a month where we just – we talk about unexpected expenses because I'm the main person behind the money in our household and we're both fine with that. But he has total access to every single account just like I do. I think people get into a relationship sometimes where it's the person who does take care of most of the finances or all of the finances. The other person either doesn't have access to things, doesn't ask for access to things, doesn't know how to access things. And that's a dangerous situation. Yes, doesn't want to know. That's a dangerous situation. So. He has access to everything, but I run it because I'm passionate about it. It doesn't matter to me. And I update him. Like at the end of the month, we, we also just in passing have conversations. So I'll say, oh, this is this was my profit for my business last month because my, 
my income varies, so I want him to be aware of the what it is each month so we can make smart decisions that way. Yeah. If we have any unexpected big costs or house things coming up, we definitely talk about that. We each get what I call mad money, which is like a little allowance each week that we agreed upon the amount so that we both continue to feel like adults who get to actually spend the money that we make any way that we want instead of constantly having to consult with each other. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we yeah, we have a pretty good system set up but but it came from it came from a few years of kind of floundering around a little bit there. Yeah. Good deal. So you sort of have a formula that you share too in, in your kit on how to manage and including having this mad money or play budget. Because I think that's important yes. to let yourself have a little freedom and to oh, yeah. every now and again, because a friend who said money is energy. It's almost like when you look at money, consider it energy, and if you hoard it, it's not going to allow the flow of money to come to you, but you also don't want to just be willy-nilly and be spending, but it's just important to understand that it's a flow of money in and Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And I think Yeah, was- I think that's a very um, important distinction. Yeah, no, and it's it's such a great thing that you're helping people to really get their arms around this topic because, as you said, it can oftentimes be taboo, but it's such an important topic, especially for couples, to understand what does money mean to you, and it's you've got you've got quite quite a, a an amazing purpose. Amanda in life. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and yes, it is my purpose. I mean, I love talking about this kind of thing. I, I want to save people's relationships. I want to save their families, and I want to save their lives, and I'm doing it through finances. Fantastic. And you're now part of the family. So. Oh, thank you, guys. You're so fun to talk with. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today, and we look forward to talking with you in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, that's it for this episode. Wherever you are at this moment, we hope that you can feel your own unique, happily ever after taking shape. If you're a single woman looking for love, we invite you to visit us at bemoreyou.co and register for Monday Morning Love Notes for Women. You'll get a calendar of all of our upcoming events. If you or someone you know has a special love story to share, we'd love to hear it and share it. Please message us on Facebook or contact us online at bemoreyou.co. Until next time, I'm Trisha Bennett. From all of us at Happily Ever After is Real, thank you for listening, and we wish you love.